knew Heidi was in trouble. And I ran outside. And there she was at the bottom of the steep driveway, literally crumpled inside her bicycle. I've never seen how bicycle can do that. The bicycle had literally wrapped around Heidi. Now, if you know Heidi, she is a frail little girl. I ran down there. I grabbed it. I literally ripped that bike to pieces. I picked up Heidi and I carried her up the driveway. You know what I didn't do? I didn't say, you see, I told you this would happen. Why? She didn't need a lecture. She needed Super Dad to carry her to Super Mom. And that was Brad Sadler telling another brilliant story in his very animated and spirited way. Yesterday, we heard the first part of a recorded message with Brad, where he was speaking to parents during a tour of events with Focus on the Family. And Graham, today we're going to hear the conclusion of that message he shared. What do you think it is about Brad that makes him such a great storyteller? Well, Alison, Brad is one of those people that's larger than life. He speaks with his whole body, and you can hear that coming through even on the recording. Yeah. But what makes him a great communicator is that he is truly passionate about this message of family and parenting. Mm -hmm. He really wants to see people impacted by his testimonies and stories and by the solid parenting strategies that he offers. And he made a phenomenal impact on the parents who attended our parenting seminar a few years ago. Mm. Well, that is why we've decided to air the recording of his message, because it's so helpful for parents to hear Brad speak truth and direction in a non-threatening and very humorous way. Let's go now to the second part of that recorded message with Brad Sadler, and you'll hear exactly what we mean. There's a great book I can recommend. It's called uh, Growing Kids with Character. It's by a lady called Hetty Britt. She's a South African lady. It's a great book. If you want to know the different personalities of children, get the book. It is so good. It really is. And what it does, it tells you, well, this is how you would discipline them. This is how you would encourage them. This is how you communicate with them. It really is a good book. And uh, I highly recommend it. And it's an eye-opener. Some things you'll begin to understand. Oh, that's why my child behaves that way. Yes, you're getting to understand who they are in their hearts. You know, the great handle to get to know your kids is the dinner table. I I think that sometimes we've forgotten the power of the dinner table and the conversation around it. As a family, we eat most nights together. My daughter is now married and she's off another home. Every time they come over, we eat. You can see. Not so. You see why we eat. But the fact is we eat around the dinner table. Most nights we're around the dinner table. My uh, youngest daughter's at home, and she has a very serious boyfriend, and he's there most nights. He eats with us around the dinner table. And uh, you know what he said? I was chatting to him a little while ago, and uh, he remarked one day, he said, I've never experienced this eating and talking at the same time. But I must tell you, I've got to know him really well. He's got to know me really well. He's got to know our family really well around the dinner table. And... um, he, he said to me, he said, you know, we always ate in front of the TV. Any time we spoke is when something happened on the TV. He said, this is something really unique. He says, I love it. I know he's going to do it one day to his children. He will eat around the dinner table. Now, let me tell you, when you start off, your kids will think you're crazy. They want to eat in front of the TV. Over time, they will love it. So much can happen around the dinner table. One tradition I highly recommend. And so, in fact... A little while back, I recently tried to test my theory that we actually get to know each other around the dinner table. 
And um, I asked my two daughters, my son-in-law and the serious boyfriend, all by SMS so there's no collusion. I said, listen, what animal do I remind you of? And uh, this was my test. Did they really know me? Well, I was actually quite amazed. All four of them said exactly the same animal. A bear. <laughs> and so I SMS back. I said, why? This is, this is what he replies. This was my daughter, my Tessa, my eldest daughter. Dad, no one can kill a bear. It's big and strong. You have the coziest hugs in the world. This is my daughter, uh, my youngest daughter, Heidi. Dad, you're a bear because it's big and scary, but it's also cuddly and lovable. This was Yaku, my son-in-law. A bear is big and not afraid, and neither am I. <laughs> this was Jason, the serious boyfriend. He says, you're a bear because a bear takes no nonsense in the forest. <laughs> I'll I tell you, try this with your kids. It, you know, it's such a wonderful conversation starts around the table. What animal do I remind you of? What animal do you remind me of? It's such a great idea. And I tell you, and you know, over time it changes. And uh, I, so I, I, if there's one thing tonight that you go home and do, start having meals around a dinner table. Incredible experiences to be had. That was foundation number one, getting to know our children. Foundation number two, discipline and boundaries. Oh, when you say discipline, you have 19 different theories on how to discipline our children. It's always a touchy area because we don't always see discipline in the same way. It is a touchy area. You know, even between sometimes mothers and fathers, even in the same family, you can disagree on discipline or how to draw these boundary lines as a family. But let me tell you, a secret to discipline, always be age appropriate. It needs to be age appropriate and, I want to add, suit the personality of the child. Suit the personality of the child. I have two very different personalities in my two daughters. Let me tell you this. If you're going to have more than one child, this is what happens in heaven. See, they send you one child first. So most people get a compliant child. Okay, we got the opposite. We got a strong-willed child, defiant child. That was our first child. But most people, they get a compliant child. And so over the years, they say, oh, we're so good at parenting. Look, and they tell everyone else how to parent. Then they have a second child. What happens in heaven? A little committee. It says, why did we send them the first time? Send them something completely different the second time. <laughs> i got two very different daughters. Very different. Very different in their personalities. Tessa, as I said, is strong-willed. Heidi is soft and gentle. You see, with Tessa, she always had to know who's the boss. Wherever she goes, who's the boss? She wants to know. And if no one puts up the hand for the boss, she makes herself the boss. You know the child I'm talking about. Let me tell you this. You've got a strong-willed child. You've got a gift. Strong-willed children change the world because they don't take no as an answer. They have courage to change things. If you have a strong-willed child, you need to guide them, not crush them. They are like a missile. An unguarded missile is a mess. A guided missile... Oh, it's wonderful. Guard your strong-willed child. They will change the world. And so Heidi, when we had to discipline Heidi, I could just look at her with a cross face and say, Heidi, I don't like what you're doing. She'd start crying. Oh, Dad, I'm so sorry. I won't ever do it again. Tessa. Oh, man. She would stand there like this. 
She wouldn't say a word, but her eyes said everything. If you're the boss, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> you know, we disciplined our daughters differently, but our values were exactly the same. We didn't have two value systems for each child. We had the same value system. We disciplined slightly differently. Why? Because they were different children. They responded to discipline differently. Do you know, not once did, this, did Tessa say, Dad, you've been unfair. That's a myth. Well, I must give exactly the same to each child as I think I'm unfair. Tessa didn't say that. Not once did she say, Dad, you've been unfair. All she wanted was they were punished or they were disciplined for the, for the same value system. That's all. Then it was fair. They weren't two different value systems. You see, in discipline, you need to put boundaries in place. And if you have a boundary, you've got to have a consequence. A boundary without a consequence is a wish list. I wish they would be. You see, you've got to put a consequence in place. If you cross the boundary, something's going to happen. Now remember, one, age appropriate. Secondly, the personality of the child. We're not teaching them much if we say, well, these are the boundaries, and we don't give them any consequences. You know that they did an experiment once. James Dobson, in fact, writes it in a book. He says there was this school, uh, it was junior school children. They had the school in the middle of the playground. They had a fence all the way on the edge of the playground. And there were roads on each side. The children would go right up to the fence and cars were passing right here. No problem at all. Then one day, someone came and said, listen, having fences is not really good for the children. We want to take the fences down. So they took them down. Do you know what happened? Children stopped playing in the playground. They were too afraid to get out onto the playground. When we don't have boundaries in place, children feel insecure. Despite what you think, a boundary actually makes a child feel secure. They know up to where it becomes dangerous. Ah, sometimes they'll cross it, and believe me, as they get older, they want to cross it. But there needs to be boundaries in place. Cross the boundary, there's going to be a consequence. Tessa, in grade 11, came to us and said, Dad, I would like to stay out late. Now remember, she's a strong-willed child. Late, 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 late. On a Friday night and a Saturday night. When must I come home? <laughs> I said, I tell you what, why don't you go away? Think about it. Come back with a suggestion. So being strong-willed, fine. I'm coming back now. Now, Off she goes. That time, gave me a little bit of gap to get my wife, babes. <laughs> I've just told Tessa, go away and think about it. Think, 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 think. Anyway, we both agreed 12 o'clock was a good time. Midnight was, a, was, was good. And so Tessa comes back and uh, she says, Dad, I've thought long and hard. We're only about five minutes. I thought long and hard. I think midnight is a good time. I said, oh, so do we. We also think midnight's a good time. She says, cool, I'll see you. Off she goes, whoa, whoa, come back. 12 o'clock. What happens if you're not home at 12 o'clock? Oh, see, I didn't think about that. No, you tell me. Oh, I don't. Because these kids are always afraid they're more hard on themselves than you are. So, no, Dad, you tell me. I said, okay. Tess, this is what I think. If you are one second past midnight, the consequence kicks in. And this is the consequence. The next week, you ought to be home 9 o'clock. Week after that, 9.30, 10. 10.30, 11. 11.30, back to midnight. What we're doing, we're practicing you getting home on time. So now Tessa, you're a very smart girl. She says, Dad, Dad, that means seven weeks. 
I said, but by then you would have perfected the art of getting home on time. She said, okay. See, she strongled. She thinks she'll never do anything wrong. She said, no, okay. Oh, well, it was fine. Went well for about a month. One evening, wife and I at home, about 11.30, we get into bed. She says, uh, Esty says to me, Brad, you're a little late. I said, oh, we said 12 o'clock. Ooh, we get into bed. We've got time to turn in the light out, 10 to 12. I said, hmm, she's cutting it fine. Two minutes to 12. My wife nudges me. That's going to be interesting. <laughs> One minute to midnight. Now, I kid you not, the true story. I heard buffalo coming over my lawn. It was Tessa running and screaming. Ah! She's running across. The, she's waking up the whole neighborhood. She's running. Ah! I hear her with a key. She can't get the key in the lock. She's like, ah, ah, get in there, get in there. Eventually she opens the door. Literally five seconds to go. She goes and closes the door. Now, our, our rule in our houses, if you've been out and we, we asleep or we, we <laughs> you're never asleep as a parent, believe me, come and say goodnight. That was one of our rules. So she did. Goodnight, mom and dad. Whew, off to bed. We left it. We left it. Okay. Next morning, we go downstairs. All at breakfast, Tessa comes down, and uh, she says, Dad, yo, it was a close one last night. <laughs> she said, that stupid friend of mine, they went to put petrol in their car first. I said, I know, I heard you at the front door. She said, Dad, I panicked. But eventually I realized, I calm down, just put the key in, the door would open. We all laughed and we giggled at Tessa's antics that night. But later in the day, you, you've got to meet my wife. She's so, she's so wise. Later in the day, she says to me, she says, Brad, do you realize what happened last night? I said, yes, Tessa nearly didn't make it. <laughs> she says, yeah, that is true. But Tessa embraced the consequence. She didn't come and say, but I made it in the gate by 12 o'clock. She didn't say, but you don't understand, Dad. You can phone them. They put petrol in first. She didn't say, Dad, I don't know what it was, but that key didn't fit. You gave me the wrong key for the front door. She didn't say any of that. She screamed her way across the lawn and nearly broke the handle of the front door to get in by 12 o'clock. We've got to get our kids to own the consequences. If there's a consequence, you've got to own it. It's yours. And let me tell you, as parents, don't back down. I was quite prepared to have a grumpy Tessa for seven weeks at home because she would learn the lesson that that was the boundary and that was the consequence. Let me tell you, it's good for the rest of life, not only for her time with us as a family at home. You see, Tessa wasn't looking for a way out when, if she had overstepped the boundary. She knew the consequences. She was willing to bear those consequences. That's character we must build into our children. They need to be responsible with the consequences of their decisions. You see, it was also because it sounded fair and reasonable to my daughter. She knew we were being fair and reasonable in the boundary and in the consequence. You know that you must choose your moments to make a point. You don't have to always give them a lecture right there and then. You know what I could have done? As Tessa came and said, good night, I said, oh, Tess, by the way, 
I'll give a long lecture about being home on time. Choose your moment. Often we choose the wrong moment to make a point to our children. Give them a lecture on their bad behavior or berate them for overstepping a boundary. And they don't learn anything because that's not the moment. We need to choose the right moment. When our kids were young, we stayed in the house that had a really, really steep driveway. But at the top, there was this massive flat tarmac area outside the garages. It was great for cycling. Little kids on their bikes with their little fairy wheels. And so we said to Tess and Heidi, be careful. Don't go down the drive. It's very steep. Your brakes are not going to hold. You're going to get hurt. Don't go down the drive. All went well until one day Esty and I were in the lounge. And uh, we heard that scream. You know the one where all the blood in your body freezes instantly. We knew Heidi was in trouble, and I ran outside, and there she was at the bottom of the steep driveway, literally crumpled inside her bicycle. I've never seen how a bicycle can do that. The bicycle had literally wrapped around Heidi. Now, if you know Heidi, she is a frail little girl. I ran down there. I grabbed her. I literally ripped that bike to pieces. I picked up Heidi, and I carried her up the driveway. You know what I didn't do? I didn't say, you see, I told you this would happen. Why? She didn't need a lecture. She needed super dad to carry her to super mom. And super mom would comfort her. You know, when the moment was right, two weeks later when I was buying her a new bike, then I said to Hartz, that driveway is so steep. You can get so hurt. She never ever went down the driveway again. You see, the moment was the right time to tell her about what she had done. We also need to be creative in your approach to discipline. Don't be one-faceted. We need to be creative. And let me tell you, if you go on the internet and at Focus, they've got tons of books on creative discipline. It helps to get a point across. Children love it when we're creative in the ways we discipline them and set boundaries and consequences. And we have a value in our home, respect. We respect one another. Our girls respect us. We respect them. It doesn't go one way only. We respect each other in the home. And so one day, Tessa and my, and my wife, Essie, were having an argument. Now, Tessa, not only being strong-willed, she is a number one drama queen. Don't know where she gets it from, but she's like a drama queen. And she wasn't getting her way, so the drama queen came out. Mm, Mom, you are so unfair. Stomp, 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 all the way up the stairs, into her room door. Bah, the door slams. Esty looks at me and says, ah, I got it, I got it. I'll go up the stairs, knock on the door. Tess, I don't want to talk to you. Tessa, everyone is unfair. You see, it was now everyone because I got involved. Before it was just her mom. I said, Tessa, are you decent? I need to come in to speak to you. I'm decent. I opened the door. I said, Tess, listen. You're disrespecting mom when you slam the door like that. It feels like you're angry and you've got no control. I don't want you to slam doors in the house. We don't slam doors. No slamming of the doors. Please. Take a breath. Have a rest. Go downstairs. Sort out the issue with mom. Okay, dad. Okay. Ah, everything was okay for about two weeks. <sighs> Another issue. Oh, mom, you're so unfair. Stomp, 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 stomp. All up the room, in the room. Bah, the door slams. I said, well, ah, I got it. Ah, I got this one. I go up the stairs, I'm not going to test her. I don't want to talk to anyone. Everyone is unfair to me. 
I said, are you decent? I want to come in. Oh, I'm decent. Come in. So I go in. He said, Tessa, I've spoken about this before. No slamming doors, please. That's a sign of disrespect. It's like you're disrespecting mom. She's your mom. She's my wife. We don't do this. <sighs> you're right, but you're... Huh? Take a breath. Take a rest. Go sort out with mom. Okay. Anyway, it was great. For about three weeks. They had some argument. Tessa, oh, moms are so unfair. Now me from mom to mom. She says, the whole world's against her. Ah, oh, storm, 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 storm. Up the, slams the door. I said to my wife, I got this one. I didn't even go upstairs. I go to my garage. Open my toolbox. I get a screwdriver. I go upstairs. I knock on Tess's door. Tess, are you decent? I need to open the door. Everyone's so unfair to me. Tess, are you decent? I need to open your door. Yes, you can come in. I open the door. I don't even go in. I start undoing the hinge. <laughs> Took about a minute. She comes out. What are you doing to my door? I said, Tessa, I'm undoing the door. You don't know how to handle the door. I'm taking the door off. She says, I'm teenage young woman. I need my privacy. I said, I know. I'm putting up a curtain. Slam that. Tessa pulled out all the stops. She pleaded. She promised. She did everything. My wife came up the stairs. She stood like this in the passage. <laughs> she was just smiling. I got one hinge off. My wife walked in. She said, Tess, will you ever do this again? She said, Mom, promise. I'll never, ever do it again. And she didn't. You see, be creative in the ways we discipline. If you had to ask Tess today, Tess, do you think kids should slam doors? Oh, they'll get a curtain. Our children have a choice. We need to teach them to make the right choices. They can choose to climb fences. It's not always good for them. And I tell children. I tell parents this too. When you see a fence, when you see a boundary, ask yourself two questions. What's it keeping out or what's it keeping in? But the fence or the boundary is there for a reason. It really is. I will go anywhere if people ask me. Because I'm passionate about raising children. Some of you might not know, I spent 14 months in prison when my daughters were 12 years and 8 years old. When I was released from prison, an organization came and saw me and they said, Brad, we've heard about what you did in that prison you were in. We literally changed the inmates inside that prison. We want you to become part of our organization, bring your gifts and your talents and, um, and this work you're doing, we want you to do more of it. But then they were surprised by my answer. I said to them, no, thank you. I said, I want to change the inmates before they become inmates. And the way I'm going to do that is speak to families. I'll tell you why. Because most of the men I saw in that prison had no fathers to speak of. Their mothers didn't know what to do with them. All I saw was people that had not been fathered well. And had no family to speak of. You know, Graham, what Brad said at the end of his message there about wanting to help parents to know how to parent their children 
because of the experience he had while in prison is exactly why Focus on the Family exists, isn't it? Absolutely, Alison. It certainly is one of the reasons that Focus exists. And we see broken families and the lack of father figures as a huge problem in our society today. Mm. And it's shown to be one of the leading causes of young people turning to crime. And I, I love how Brad identified that. And his experience in prison fueled his passion. Um, but may he made that decision not to go into prison ministry, but rather to go to the roots mm-hmm. and to speak into the lives of families, knowing that that would make a huge impact. And we know that strong families lead to strong churches, lead to strong communities, and that's what's going to make a strong nation. Mm. The resource we have on offer today is a book written by Rob and his son Lloyd Parsons. It's titled, What Every Kid Wished Their Parents Knew, and Vice Versa. Lloyd is joined by other kids to share what they wish their parents understood. Luckily, Rob gets a chance to answer back on behalf of parents. At times, it is hilarious, but it's also moving and honest. If you get a copy, you'll have to fight your kids for who gets to read it first. But you can find your copy on our website at safamily.co.za or when you give us a call on 031-716-3300. I also want to remind you of the parenting assessment we have on our website. It's quick and easy and it gives parents an honest look at their unique strengths plus some areas that could use a little help. You'll find that on our website at safamily.co.za. We're airing some of our favorite local programs in the month of October as we celebrate 30 years of ministry in Africa this year. And I want to encourage you to download our Focus Africa app if you haven't already got that. You can see the range of programs available, read the latest articles, and share the content with your friends and family. It's available for both iPhone and Android. Just be sure to search for Focus on the Family, Africa. Thank you for joining us today. For Focus on the Family, Africa, I'm Alison Schnell, inviting you back next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.